Hey everyone, Matt General here with 420 Ministries. I'm so excited for you to get the chance to listen to this Thursday's sermon of where I had the privilege of being able to speak on the presence of God. Uh, the presence of God has been, it's, it's honestly interesting when you're trying to teach on something that really uh, you could probably teach on the presence of God um, every Sunday or every Thursday night for the rest of your life. Uh, without the presence of God, there is no life, there is no purpose, there is no meaning. The presence of God is Jesus himself. It's not some abstract force or some abstract thing. It is the presence of a real person uh, in the room waiting to interact with us. The presence of Jesus is a divine invitation to step into the experience of everything that Jesus is, who he is, everything that his word says, and everything that we get to enjoy with him as a result of the new covenant. The presence of God is everything. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed teaching this message. I hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as I had the privilege of being able to teach it. Bless you guys this week, praying for you. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. It's about 8.30 right now, and you know it's, <clears throat> it's interesting that I was on the phone with a, with a mentor of mine today and just was, was talking through with him just like some stuff that was, um, just some stuff that's been on my heart recently, um, just some, some things that I've been thinking about and some things that I've been, been wrestling through. And I told him tonight and I just said, I said, hey man, we are, uh, we're teaching on, we're almost done with our cultural core values. We have... Um, seven of them that we've been going through for, uh, just kidding, we have 10 of them. We are on the ninth one tonight um, and that we are closing out next week um, with, our, with our 420 cultural core values of, of what we as a house, we as a community are convicted over. And oddly enough tonight, tonight was on the, is, is about the presence of God, the, the value of the presence, um, what it means to be a presence-driven community, what it means to host the presence of God, what it means to steward the presence of God in our individual lives. And I say that that's interesting because as I was on the phone with my, with my mentor today, I'm, I'm talking to him, and I just said, you know, man, it's, um, it's interesting that, to teach on this because I, I really don't want to teach on it. I would much rather just have the Lord come and manifest himself because I feel like this is something that's much more easier, like, encountered than it is talked about. You can talk about it all, 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 all day long, but how many of you know that just what just happened in here, that's better than anything that I could possibly have to say. Amen? <laughs> you better say amen to that because <laughs> he's better than anything I would ever have to say or anything in here, anyone else in here would ever have to say. And it's just, and it just, it blesses me so much um, that that's, that's literally what, what has been on my heart all day. Like that, that, that very thing has, has just been what's, what's been on my heart today. Is that we would come in here and just simply encounter him. And just simply enjoy him. With the remainder of the time that we have left. Because honestly I, I really feel like the, like the Lord does more and, and, and did more. Really just in that time than what I could just possibly offer us with, with words. But simply for the sake of making sure, I wanna add some language to what this is and what's happening. 
and, and times and moments of maybe when you've um, experienced the presence of Jesus before and you didn't know that it was the presence of Jesus or if there's lies in your head that says, um, I think Taylor was like offering a word of exhortation tonight, wherever Taylor went, she was actually talking about it. There's these things that we tell ourselves that like, like oh, like the, the presence of God is easily encountered by other people, but not me. Or the presence of God is for other people, but not me. That's honestly, the reason why that's such a ridiculous statement is take it like this, like say if you're, if you're a parent in here and you have kids, or if you are, you have someone that is just valuable to you, nieces or nephews, cousins or, or whatever, or if, say you don't have any cousins or whatever, it's just you and you just have, say, really close friends. One of those three categories. It would never be a desire in your heart to cheat them out of any good thing that you have for them, right? Like it's, it's not in you to wanna, like it's, it's not in me to want to give something to Clay that I'm not gonna give to Jeff or vice versa. It's, it's not in me to wanna do that. If I have something, I wanna be able to have it for the both of them. I want them both to be able to enjoy it. And I wanna tell you this, that um, I will never forget this. This is a, a moment and an encounter that marked my life. And I, and I love it simply just because of the childlikeness of it. Um, but I remember I was in a Teen Challenge and I was probably like, a, a, like five months into the program and I'm with my roommate and my responsibility while I was in Teen Challenge was, uh, I was, me and Leo, Leo was my roommate's name, uh, we were the laundry guys. Like we had to do laundry for all the guys there. Every single person essentially has a job to make the whole, the whole thing happen there. So I was on laundry duty with Leo. So we would be in class and multiple times a day, we would come up from class to move along. You're doing laundry for like 25 dudes. So it's like, it's, it's a full time. It's, it's, I, I joke with Brandy now, because Brandy, not because I have her do it, simply just because she's home more than me to actually do something like this when it's not tax season. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna hear the comments. But when, when uh, I joke with Brandy all the time saying, Brandy, I've done enough laundry for the rest of my life. I don't think I should have to do it for our family from, from here on out. I've done it for 25 guys for about a year. I'm sure if we add that up, it accounts to how, much, how long we've been married. But not really, not even close. But um, Leo and I used to come up from, from class and we would, we would work on the laundry, fold laundry, and we would talk about Jesus. We would read scripture together and we would just pray. We would pray over the clothes of the guys, like of just, just praying like over, over whoever it was that, of what it represented. And there was this one time of where I looked over at Leo and Leo was different. Um, there was something about his walk that was different. There was something about his heart that was different. And there was just something about him that was, um, I had never, I just, I hadn't seen it before. And, um, and a lot, and, and this is like a guy my age. Like I, I just, I hadn't seen it before in a whole, in a whole lot of people. And I remember looking at Leo and, and this is, it, it was like such a childlike conversation. Like, our, like I'm, I'm sure our theology was like all over the place. It honestly didn't even matter. And I looked at Leo and I said, hey man, what is, what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he's like, you know, man, I don't really know how to describe it. I just know that it's God like making everything awesome. He's like, yeah, like, he's like, you know what I mean? Like, this is literally, this is, this is how the conversation is going. Like, like we're, we're, we're trying to like in our, in, in, in my five month saved theology brain, I'm, I'm trying to like understand something that some people have devoted their whole lives to. And I'm like, well, what's the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he's like, you know, man, I don't really know. Um, 
I just know that when the Lord comes on you in this new way, it just it comes with passion and power, conviction and praise. I don't really know how to, how, how to describe it. And I was like, well, well, how do you get it? Like, how, like how, how do I get this? Like, how do I get that? And he's like, you know, dude, I don't think it's something that we have to get. I think it's something that's been given and we have to receive it. And I was like, all right, when this, we're in the laundry room. Like, literally, this is, like, we're folding clothes and this is, we're, we're talking about this. And I'm like, all right, well, if it's already available, I just, I just have to reach out and take it, right? Like, I mean, because if, if it's already there and it's on the table, it's, it's a gift that's on the table. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I mean, I think, that makes, <laughs> I think that makes sense to me. And I'm like, awesome. And so we're folding clothes and I was like, I was like, so what do we do now? And he's like, I don't really know. Like, should, should we pray and ask the Lord what we should do right now? And I'm like, yeah, like, let's do that. This is literally, literally how the conversation is going. And I told him and I said, dude, will you pray for me to just be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he's like, you know, man, I, I don't know if I'm actually allowed to do that. Let me go ask the Lord if I'm like allowed to do something like this. And then I'll, I'll come back and like, and like just in just a minute. And this is literally how it's going. He goes to our room, prays, he comes back. He's like, all right, man, I think the Lord's cool with it. I think that we can totally do this. Like, like I don't think that we need like a pastor here or whatever. Like, like, all right, let's do it. And so, and I'll never forget this. In the laundry room, Leo prayed for me. It was, uh, we didn't have right language. We didn't have right words. There wasn't right theology there in that moment. And it, they're like, there wasn't like the right things. It was just two guys like foolish enough to believe that for a split second something actually belonged to us and he prayed for me and he was just like all right like what's what's going on like how are you feeling I was like I don't know like what am, am I supposed to be feeling something is something supposed to be happening he's like I don't know I've never done this before and he's like let's just keep praying and as we were praying it literally just started with a stillness and a peace over me that for someone that was that was addicted to drugs for years, that was suicidal for years, that was careless with his life for years, for an undeniable peace that passes understanding to come into your life, you will know when that happens. And I just want to say one thing. When you are in the presence of God, cherish the moments of stillness that it's so easy to just be like, that wasn't him. I, I guarantee the moment that you're getting ready to dismiss, that was the very nudge of his shoulder and the brush of his cheek against you, inviting you in deeper. But we dismiss it because it didn't look like what we have seen in TV shows or movies or based off of someone else's life, and we dismiss away our encounter because it wasn't grand enough. And it's in these little moments, the way that you jealously guard and cherish the little moments that are poured out, the Lord will, can, can entrust, I believe, can entrust more to you and pour out more of himself onto you because Jesus is a jealous God and he's a holy God and I don't believe that he pours himself out flippantly to just be abused and used. Does that make sense when I say that? And in that moment, I... I don't think, I don't, I don't believe, if, if I was to get super theological right now, which we're not, um, because I was, I was preparing this message, when we talk about the presence of God, there are so many directions that we could go into, so many places and so many different things that we could touch down on. And in, in an effort of wanting to avoid um, getting, and, and we're gonna come back to this, by the way, this isn't the only message we're gonna do on the presence. 
I'm really just trying to give language for what was happening in here before we get into theology and healthy practice and understanding of the presence of God because all that's very important. But I'll, I'll remember standing in that laundry room, I began to pray in the spirit for the first time. I didn't even know what was happening as the presence of God came over me in a way, it was something that up to that point I was looking for for 19 years. And, and the presence of God came over me in the laundry room of Teen Challenge with my roommate. We had no clue what we were doing. There was no music. There was no lights. There was no intimate setting like, like there is here tonight. It was just a willing heart of knowing that there was more of God available and I knew that I had to have it or I was destined to leave that program, relapse and either die or end up in jail like permanently. And it was in that moment that the presence of God saved me and marked me in a way that I remember saying to the Lord, this was in, in the prayer room uh, weeks later, and I said, Jesus, if you promise me this presence for the rest of my life, if this, is, if this is who you are and this is what you are and you promise me this for the rest of my life, I give you my word, I will never ever need to go back into a life of addiction ever again. And I, and I will never touch the things that you, that you delivered me from because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's interesting to me that when, uh, when we look at the presence of God, we see in Exodus 19, one of the first introductions, the presence of God is introduced in a way that, that he's mobile, but like confined to a space. This, this, this thing, this space was called the tabernacle. There's a whole story, if you read through Exodus and you come up to Exodus 19, you will find that Yahweh, God of heaven and earth, led his people, led the Israelites out of Egypt so that ultimately they would inherit the promised land. This is severely paraphrased. We don't have the time to go into as much of this as I would like to, but this is not gonna be the only message we have on the presence. We will more theologically set this up. I'm giving you a very heavily cliff notes version of this. The Israelites get freaked out by the character of God and who God is, and they realize, all right, this dude's scary. We don't want anything to do with him. Moses, how about you be our mediator? You be the person that mediates this for us, and, and we will know God through you. And through that, they set up something on what, what that was called the, the tabernacle. There was all sorts of different uh, rules for it, all sorts of different things that they had to follow, but this is where the presence of God, it was, it was a mobile tent that literally went with them, that the presence of the Lord would abide in this place. It, would, it, it was a stationary location, and, it was, and the presence of God was essentially mediated between Moses and the Israelites. The Israelites were not willing to essentially steward the presence of God on their own. It was only mediated through one person, through, through this tent of meeting, through this tabernacle. As you move on through Exodus, and you get into Exodus 39, and you get into, uh, and you, and you get into 1 Kings, we see the tabernacle, it turns into the temple. And the tabernacle, this mobile dwelling place of God, becomes the answer to a conviction by King David of where King David, it, it, it's actually known as the Temple of Solomon, it was the, it, and the nickname of it is the First Temple of where this temple is set up to where Israel 
hosts God out of this place that was immaculately built. If you go through, um, I'm trying to think of, the, the, in Exodus 39, verses 32 through 42, read through those verses, the detail that went into the making of this temple was insane. Insane. And so the tabernacle gave way to the temple. And when David wanted to build God a house in 1 Chronicles 17.1, David was convicted over the fact of saying, I dwell in a house of cedar where the Ark of the Covenant resides, but I, I dwell in a house of cedar while the Ark of the Covenant is under a tent. And this was not acceptable to him. And they, they built this temple of Solomon, nicknamed the first temple, where the presence of God was stewarded, hosted, and kept. Until we make our way, again, I, I know this is severely paraphrased, until we come to the new covenant, and there's this person named Jesus that shows up on the scene. And what's amazing about this is that in John chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus, it, it is... Jesus is being described as the radiance of God's glory. John chapter 1, verse 14. And it's talking about how Jesus is the radiance of God's glory coming to dwell among men. If you read that, that word dwell is a Greek word that literally is the same word that means to live in a tent. And, and what's crazy about that is Jesus is looking back through history all the way back to the temple, all the way back to the tabernacle, saying, I am all of them combined in one person, and I now exist as the, the, the man, the person. I, I, I am God in human form. It is no longer confined to a space or a person, but I'm making myself available to you. And then in John chapter 14, it gets even better of Jesus saying, it's not just going to be me now, I am essentially going to be in you through the helper, through the Holy Spirit. And I will pour myself out to you so that, you so that I may tabernacle with you, dwell with you. John chapter 1 verse 14. I may dwell with you as a living tabernacle for eternity. So you now become the tabernacle of the fullness of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Like, is, is that making sense the way that I say, I, I know that I'm rushing through something that really should not be rushed through, but it's like, at least that skimmed over version. Are you following me on that? The presence of God in the Old Testament used to just be poured out on individuals, whether it was for individual assignments, times, or seasons. But when we make our way through the torn veil, meet Jesus at the foot of the cross, we find that he has poured out his spirit upon all flesh. And it's not just individuals and seasons and times, but it's now birthright. It's now inheritance. And you receive him into yourself, and he becomes alive in you while you become alive in him, and you become a living, breathing, walking Ark of the Covenant everywhere that you go because you are the tabernacle of the person named Jesus Christ. And so that raises the question, this raises the question, and I have said this before, I have said this a million times, is there anything wrong with what I'm about to say? No, there's nothing wrong with this statement, there's nothing wrong with using this. If you use it, you don't have to not keep using it, but just know this. I have used the phrase before, man, the Lord showed up powerfully tonight. Man, Lord, we ask that you would show up tonight. I've said it, prayed it so many times. Nothing wrong with the statement. But theologically, if we are to look at this in a healthy theological, theological way, that statement almost doesn't make sense. Because if he's showing up somewhere, then 
Where was he in the first place? Where, where was he that we weren't? Like, do you know what I'm saying? You, car- you carried him in here. He's here because you came in here. I'm not saying that, like, we're not Mormons and we're not weird. You are not God. You are a son and bride of the Most High, but you carry him and you house him. And to the degree that your affection and your attention is set on him, that is the degree that you experience him. And the experience of God is extremely important because, I, because as I have had it told to me, if we take experience out of our relationship with Jesus, all that we are left with is a good idea. And I'm not talking about experience in the, sen- in the sense of, um, I, don't, I don't know, I don't really have a, a, a definition for that. Let's just, let's just literally put it at, the experience of God is the birthright of every single believer. <clears throat> and when I say a phrase of, man, the Lord showed up powerfully tonight, is it the Lord showed up or is it I actually just finally became aware of him? I became aware of him. Oftentimes, a a, a scattered mind and a cold heart is the direct result of a mind that is not thinking upon him. He will keep in perfect peace all those whose thoughts are set upon him, as Isaiah says, and, and and a heart that does not have its affection turned towards him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths and make them straight. So a cold heart and a scattered mind is the direct result of my thoughts are not fixed on him and my heart, the attention and affection of my heart does not belong to him. So when I walk into a room, when I walk into a service, I am learning right now. It's not how much I need to get him to come. It's Jesus, make me aware and wake me up to the reality of you here. Now, I do want to explain something. There's a difference between God is everywhere and God is here. There's a difference between the manif- there is a difference scripturally you will see this. There's a difference between the manifest presence of God and the omniscient presence of God. God like God God is everywhere, filling all things at all times, like in 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 every space. But there are different moments such as in uh in Old Testament one would be Daniel chapter D- Daniel chapter 3 21 through 25 Daniel in the lions den they manifest presence of God. If you go back to um Exodus 19 when the uh when the pillar of fire and the cloud came down it was a manifest sign hey God is here. This is a manifest sign. This is not theory, this is not formula. God is here. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, manifest signs, tangible signs. It's, it's able to be seen, felt, and experienced. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Two-thirds of the kingdom is a felt reality. But it's interesting, righteousness comes first before peace and joy. So before he's felt, he's known as a conviction, a reality of your faith. Righteousness is not, is not a felt thing. You can't feel righteousness. Righteousness is the fact that every single one of you in here, if you're born again, you have been made right with God, which means you have every access to then experience the two at the end, peace and joy. But righteousness carries you through the door. Righteousness gets you into the place of intimate union and experiential union. 
So there's a difference between the manifest presence of God. And, and by the way, if, if you look at this, this is all through, even in, even in the Old Testament, Exodus 19, in, in the beginning of the chapter, Exodus 19, 16 through 18, Exodus 20, verse 19. Every time the Lord manifests himself, it's always tangible. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not just theory or thought. It's not reasoned or intellect. It's, it is unable to be denied. Like, holy crap, something is different. The atmosphere has changed. Jesus is here. We see it all throughout Scripture. But then there are examples, like Psalm 139, verses 5 through 12, or 1 Kings uh, chapter 8, verse 27, where the, those are more examples of the omnipresence of God. Like, he's, he's there. We're very aware that he's there, but it's, it's not a, a manifest thing. Why do I point that out to you? Because it's important to realize that there are moments of where the Lord goes from an abiding presence, like he's here right now, but then when we are in moments like what we just came out of, where the abiding presence turns into a manifest encounter of where it's almost like, okay, he was here all, all along, but it's like, okay, we, we have finally locked eyes with him. Like, like the, uh, there needs to be a better way to, to explain this. There's, it's like we, we, we finally stopped long enough to catch attention with him. It's like being on a date with someone. Like if I'm on a date with Brandy and we're distracted, we've done this before, we'll be at dinner and we'll be looking at each other from across the table and say we're distracted and we're not necessarily focused on each other, but a moment will shift of something will happen in the date of where her eyes will look at me and I will look at her and it's like everything else that we brought in, in, into that evening is done and it's just her and I. And it's like, oh, like there you are. <laughs> there you are. Like what were we doing for the first 20 minutes? Like, I don't, I don't know, like just going through the motions, like doing what we should do. Like just we're, we're, we're on a date, but it's like there was no connection. Something happens in the moment. Your attention becomes aware. Your affection is turned to him. And the abiding presence turns into the, mani to the manifest presence simply because you gave attention to it. The experience of the presence of God is missed by the breath of attention that has failed to be given to him. I, I, I would like to suggest to us that I think it's that easy. I really do. I, th I, I think that it's that easy, and I think that it's that simple. Because anything more than that, we are borderline getting into this sketchy area of works to where we have to do the, the right mental gymnastics and the right things to get into his presence and... We have to try to work something up to feel something. And by the way, I want to point this out. We never, we do not, I do not, we do not come into the presence of God for an encounter or to feel something. That in and of itself is putting something before God. God in and of himself is the reason why we're there. He, he is it. The things that come off of him should we be blessed with an encounter? Should we be blessed with a word, a feeling, a touch? It's, it's him and him alone. I come into the presence of God to be with him, to give him what he is worth, to minister to him, to lay down my heart, to expose my heart, to surrender my heart again, well, that was close, to, to enjoy him. Not 
to, not to get something from him. And when I begin to pour myself out from him, because here, here's the thing, you can only love God to the degree with which you have received love from him to actually love him back. You can't love God unless you let him love you first. You just, you can't. Because you did not find God, God found you. And so when you're in the presence of God, it's just as important to be a drinker of his presence because then I actually have something to give back to him. And then herein lies the exchange of intimacy to where you're not just a suffering slave that is to be satisfied with a a passing glance of his face. You are a bride that has been married to him that is called for all of your days to enjoy the bounty of his goodness and the fullness of his character. This is inheritance. And when the presence of God comes in like a moment like this, you stop everything that you're doing, you adjust and you pivot. Even even if you are finding your way through it, even if you don't know what, what to do, we find our way through it and we yield to it. Because we make room for him and we yield to him and we give space that if he's actually the leader of the room and then he shows up wanting to lead the evening, wanting to lead the moment, we let him do that and we get out of his way so that he can do that. And then sensitively and quietly and tenderly and and, and humbly, we yield to him and let him do these things. A way that I thought, a a way that I've, I've heard someone else describe it in a different way before, but this is the way that it helps me think of it in, in, in a way that's unique for me. If I was to take a pebble from outside right now and put it in each one of your shoes, like right on the heel, and you were to leave here with that rock in your shoe, every step that you would take, you'd be like, wow, this is annoying. I've got this rock on my shoe. Like you're not going to walk around downtown Indianapolis with that in your shoe. You're going to be conscious of it the whole time that you're walking. Every step that you take, you're like, all right, I've got this rock on my shoe. That's super annoying. Your attention is fixed on that. I would like to suggest to us it is possible to live in such a way to where only it's not annoying, it's pleasant. The presence of God is you, you, you take every step aware and mindful of him because you host him and you are a carrier of the presence of God. You, you, you carry him and it's possible to go throughout your whole entire day, every step, every conversation, every argument, every frustration, every annoyance, every celebration, every, every car ride, every conversation, every, every minute, you can go throughout your day consciously aware of the one that holds you and you hold on to him. It is, it is 100% possible because the cross has given you that access. It doesn't just have to be the moment in worship and, and these moments. Like these, these are moments of where Jesus says, let me show you what is available for you. And then you can leave here carrying it. Does that make sense when I say that? So it's 9.03. I want to I be done. Just, I, I, and my, my, my main desire in this is that you would leave here tonight knowing that the presence of God is, is, is not just an abiding presence. It's not just an omnipresence. There's a manifest and a tangible presence of, of God that has been deposited into you. And, and he's, he's literally there right now. And you, you house him. And you have as much of that, I have as much of that, as I choose to become consciously aware of. 
It's and it could, because he's not holding back a single moment of his life from any of us. And it is possible to live in unbroken union. And, and I've heard people say, well, you've, you've got to come out of the secret place sometime. You can't just lock yourself up and pray all day. Like, no, you can't. Life has to happen. But the secret place is not a location. The secret place is a condition and space of the heart. And, and I don't ever have to leave here. You, like, you don't. You, you can live out of the secret place when you're doing manual labor. You can live out of the secret place when you're doing whatever it is that all of us do for a living. When you're taking care of your kids, changing diapers, walking your dog, hanging out with your friends, talking on the phone. You can sit there and turn your affection to him quietly and gently and know that like, okay, he's there. He's sitting across from the table. I just, I, I, I moved my eyes to look at everyone else around me, the waiter carrying the food past me, the things going on around me, like I took my eyes off of him, and it's like, no, bring, bring them back to center, lock eyes with him again. You can do that in the secret place of your heart because the secret place goes with you everywhere you, that you go. Does that make sense? All right, stand your feet with me. We can, let's pray. <clears throat> Everything that I said tonight, by the way, um, I want to say this because I will leave tonight and it will bother me and I will think of it. Um, everything that I communicated tonight, um, I 100% claim to be totally in a learning process of my own. I'm learning. I'm figuring things out. I'm making mistakes. I'm asking the right questions. I'm in the process of getting discipled and mentored by trusted people to learn further on the things that I think that I know, and then when I actually learn them more, I realize I didn't actually know them at all. <laughs> I am in, on a journey and on a process, just like all of you are, to learn and discover this thing. But one thing I've, I, I know is that he's gentle and lowly and kind and has made himself available. And so anything that I have shared tonight, the presence of God does not give us permission to do things outside of this and say, oh, well, the Lord was in the room, so we can do things outside of this. He will not violate this. He will not, and I'm, the, the, the word, he will not violate his word. And so as you leave here tonight, if there's anything that you, that you leave here doing, it's that you would leave here knowing that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I want us to leave here tonight knowing that righteousness is not a felt reality, but that it is, it is the conviction of our faith that carries us through the door. And if you're born again, you're there, you're in. And we learn to become aware of him, aware of him. And, it, and again, the key word there, learn. We learn to become aware of him, amen? So Jesus, I just, I pray right now that what you did tonight in my effort to want to try to um, explain or give language. I know that I am on, like, I'm, 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 I'm learning so heavily it's not even funny. And, and, when, and every single time your presence comes, I feel like it undoes everything that I felt like I already had locked down and learned. And it just makes me realize, wow, like I, I really don't know anything at all. It's different this time. It's, it's better this time. The times of when I come in looking for a feeling or a touch or an encounter and there's something entirely different or the times that you offer those things freely and I wasn't looking for them. 
Jesus, we don't want to close ourselves off to tangible touches and feelings, expressions, and emotions of your presence. We want them. We need them. I believe that they're normal. But would you also have truth teach our feelings to work for us and not against us? And would you please help us to learn and to realize that it is simply about you. You, not, not the things that come off of you, not the accessories that come off of you. And please, dear Jesus, help us to actually be content with you and with you alone, please. And then if there's other things that come off of that, we promise you that we will jealously guard the treasures and the nuggets that you give us, whether it's in an encounter, a touch, an expression, a vision, a picture, whatever those things are, we will jealously guard them because those are the very treasures from your side that you have pulled out and given to us and entrusted us with. But help me, help us realize that it's you. Please, I don't know how else to pray that. I don't know how else to ask that. I just know that we need it and we need it really, really, really bad. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you did here tonight. Thank you for the team that led us so beautifully right to your feet. We honor them. We thank you for your presence here tonight. And we leave here with you, attention and eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you guys need prayer tonight, you want prayer, please feel free to come down to the front. Um, someone will come up to you and pray for you. But we will see you guys next week uh, at 7 p.m. Love you guys.